Good evening. Again, as I've been starting out lately, thank you very much for all the support. I want to make sure that you know that we're all have a lot of uh, gratitude for the help we've gotten to keep everything running, keep the lights on, as they say, and also ask that you continue to uh, help us. Uh, we'll be forthcoming at some point in the not-too-distant future uh, with more descriptions of projects about what we're going to be doing, uh, not only in the monastery, in this whole complex of buildings, but also in the com immediate community, the high school that's three blocks away, uh, Garuda House that is uh, re recently purchased and we're in the middle of trying to renovate. So we'll include you, let you know what's happening, and you can see if you can continue to help us. And thank you. This evening's Dharma talk is traceless awakening, traceless. What does traceless mean? You can't, you can't track it, you can't find it, you can't see. It leaves no tracks. There's no result awakening without credentials. That's another way of saying it. Buddha Dharma without credentials. Traceless. You could say, how it, well, if it's traceless, how would you know that you had attained realization? You won't. You won't know in the conventional sense. You won't be able to find anything else. I'm not kidding you here. And I, I would really, really appreciate it if you would come after me with questions and put this old man on the spot, if you can. Because if I have anything to gain or lose in this situation, I'm lying to you. Find out how are you going to know if your teacher knows what he, she, they are talking about. How are you going to know if there's a trace of awakening anywhere? then it's not, it's not complete. It's still in the relative world of, you could say, spiritual materialism. I spent between 30 and 35 years looking for traces of it. Am I getting anywhere? Am I, is this working? Should I keep doing this? I was doing that long after both my teachers had uh, passed. Not too long. It was just about the time Coben passed that I began to understand what it was this was about. And that understanding is not logical. It's not reasonable. It makes no sense. And you can't sell it in the market marketplace, although people try all the time to market everything. We need to do something, otherwise there, this teaching can't continue, so we have to have some kind of support. But it is traceless. Well, you could even say that in the, in the conventional understanding, relative understanding of clarity, awakening, enlightenment, Anusha uh, Samyak Sambodhi, though it needs to be talked about, but there's no, there's no proof for it. If, if there's proof for it, you could say, well, isn't a person more peaceful, uh, less likely to make? Those are side effects. Those are just aspects of the realization that has no status as anything. But if one is realized, you're, you're less likely to make a commotion in the marketplace about any damn thing. You're not concerned with outcomes, but you are concerned with the process that you see people going through to destroy the world, to destroy themselves, to destroy each other, and make, make things worse for everybody just so they can get some kind of a credential of, I'm in charge. People will do as I say, or I will kill them. Might as well be saying that. 
It's without a trace. It's all. It's like it's like nothing happened. That's uh, finally understood what His Holiness the Sixteenth Karmapa Rangjung Rikpi Dorje said in 1981 as he was passing away from this existence. Nothing happens. An a relative way of pointing at the ultimate. It goes on forever. Why? Because it doesn't start up, therefore can't end. If you begin to realize this, even slightly, you may have to look at it for another 15 or 20 years. This is why Ramana, when he was 18 years old, awoke by dying to this life on the, his uh, parents' living, living room floor, apparently, spent 20 years at... Uh, Turbanamalai, and in a cave, as I, as the story goes, to clarify what it was he just saw. And if there's no students, no one comes and asks you what this is, you will not go out necessarily and promote yourself as a, as a teacher and try to market what you do, unless somebody puts you on TikTok. I don't know, is that marketing? Is Zim here? He's not here. That might go the other direction. People see me dancing on there. They might think, you guys an idiot. I don't mind. Because that might be very close to the truth. So as, as Dogen says, a basic teaching that everyone has heard, drop off body and mind. Doesn't mean get rid of the body, doesn't mean get rid of the mind, it's just, it's just saying look at the mind and look at the body clearly, specifically, and intentionally, and see that they're unreal. This is how you drop them off. There's nothing to be attached to there. The very attachment itself will start to come apart when you actually see what the body is and not cover it up with your ideas, your thoughts, your, con your convictions, your conclusions, your opinions, your analysis of what the body is or what the mind is. As Coleman said in the Heart Sutra translation that he did, falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. I might have this a little bit off. He didn't say that. Nothing to do. Everything all at once. And even that's, it's like everything all at once. Is there, are there even things to be all at once? I don't know. I, I met him. I only had to meet him once and for him to basically kicked my butt. It took me a long time to see what that butt kicking was about, about 12 years, actually. And even my son, Takado, who was sitting here, who was a very close student of his, knew how much I, or knew something, maybe not all of it, how much I was going through, because I asked him about it. What, is, what does this mean? Coben won't talk to me. And he, as I recall what Takado says, I don't know. I don't know what, I'm not sure what he's, what that's about. He doesn't, this is, have you seen him do that to someone else? Um, I, don't, I don't think he could come up with anything. There's always a story of the time uh, somebody came and had an interview with, with Coben. <clears throat> he got up to one of the, one of the bathroom and didn't he go out the bathroom window? Did you hear that story? And then the guy got up to look to see where he went and the bathroom was empty and the window was open. So even if that isn't true, it's pretty funny. <laughs> And that would be like, uh, uh, like uh, Cloud Phoenix. He was kind of disappearing. 
and it seems like his uh <coughs> one of his students good close, very close friend of mine uh shoho also was kind of disappearing all the time he also had a has a phoenix name laughing phoenix or smiling phoenix i think it is so if you realize what this is if you realize it's it doesn't do any it doesn't go anywhere there's no the materiality is a is, a, is a, the illusion the illusion that we are somebody sitting in a room uh, with a certain length of life to live and that we can win or lose or live or die it's just an incredible illusion traceless so that means that as you're meditating any of you meditating and looking for some kind of outcome from the meditation the very looking for something else the very search creates a, a loop where you look and look and can't find but then that go even that goes the not finding is the finding so you could have just hung out there for a couple of years instead of looking for oh that can't be right any of you have been meditating for half a dozen a dozen 15, 20 years or whatever, have run into that situation in meditation where you think, your version, not mine, but this is, uh, this is not getting anywhere. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not any doing any better. I'm, I might even be doing worse. <clears throat> no, I would like to offer that you are finally aware of how much difficulty you've been, how much, how much dust you've been kicking up in the first place. Finally, after all, looking and looking, observing, 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 you're starting to see the depth of your confusion. This is awakening. Probably isn't through yet, but that's how it happens to see the confusion. So that confusion, as has been said traditionally, nothing I made up, that confusion, uh, it, it is co-emergent wisdom. Wisdom and confusion come up together. They're not separate from each other. You can do this. You can see this. It's like not seeing anything. It's like not having any results. It's like everything all at once. And it's like anything that you thought was going on or you assumed or you constructed is falling apart, falling apart, falling apart, just coming apart. All of your ideas about who you are, yourself, even the ideas about, about Buddhism still come apart. But you may continue to function as a Buddhist. Because this is a way to point to ultimate truth, which is not something. It has no status as a thing. I'll take some questions if there are some. Go ahead. Shoto Bowing, um, I understood you to say something around um, trying to use the meditation to get somewhere, having a spinning quality. And I'm wondering if we're sitting with the intention to just observe in that um, searching quality comes up and we just observe that does it still have that same um probably yeah you're not going to get any uh any particular success story out of it there will be no success story maybe a whole lot of failure going on and i would say do it anyway you heard me say this over and over just do it anyway just return return to the buddha the dharma the sangha return to the cushion return to the wall no matter how frustrating, difficult it may seem. And if you need to, dedicate it to others. If you can't do it for yourself, then 
Do it for others. More? Shadow bowing. If if you're sitting down for a while, um, might that still show up for you, that, that looking for something else <coughs> that the ego does? It could, yes, it could. You just can't find any singularity. Everything's going to arise. Um, desire, um, differentiation between things and desire about the differentiation, what you want, what you don't want, still comes and goes, but there's no, there's no identity anymore. Never was an identity here or anywhere else. But if you realize your true nature and you're around people who have not realized what this is and are still um, clenching their fists over this and opening their fists over that, or turning away from that, then you meet them where they're at. And when you meet people where they're at, it's very, very contagious. You will actually participate in passion, aggression, and ignorance because you're, you received a vow to be with all things. It didn't say be the higher being who is very enlightened, who helps the poor, helpless wretches who are suffering with their confusion. No, you are the confusion. That's how you can help them because you are, you are, you're not, you're not afraid of anything. You're not afraid of any of the six realms and you freely go past in those realms. More? I had a, a different question. Okay. I don't remember how you said it, but you were talking about understanding this or seeing what this is. How is that not knowing? It is, but you have to say it some way. I don't want to. I'm not going to give you the the, the description right now. You'd you'd give up and go home. I, I sometimes say it's worse than you think. And it's better than you think. It's better than you think because you because it's liberation, complete, total liberation from the chains of your. Conclusions, convictions, opinions, ideas, judgments, evaluations. You're free. But it's worse in that you're going to have to march right into it. You're going to have to go right into that um, disturbed area. And you won't care if you ever come out the other end. No more success story. Go ahead. Sure, bowing. Is that marching into the disappointment done by just sitting? Well, we can't come up with a standard for it. It may show up in different ways. It's unlikely to happen if you stop sitting, because then you get better and better at just ignoring that area and assuming there is somebody who can win or lose. And the only reason you're losing is because somebody stopped you. The only reason you're losing is you didn't quite get it right that one time. Thank you. Thank you. Further questions? Yes. You said something to the effect that we're not uh, concerned with outcomes, but we are with the process. Mm -hmm. How does a process, how is the process not an outcome? Because it doesn't end up somewhere. Outcome is the outcome, the fruition of something. But we're not so concerned about the fruition. If you start getting getting trying to produce a result then then you're back into some kind of manipulating causes and conditions or relative truth to get something to happen that's the mundane path it can be a highfalutin form of it it can be a very advanced even advanced form of working with 
your chemistry set of the mind in such a way that you're doing a little better because of any number of things. There could be chemicals, could be medications, could be ways of working with the body that that um, align with the mind to help balance things out. But that balance is relative. I'm not against yoga. I'm just saying the, the yoga that I recommend is this yoga, Buddhist yoga, which is mind, working with the mind. Work with the body, yes. Sit down, hold still. Yoga positions and so on are not, I wouldn't say they're not beside the point. They aren't beside the point. You should do that if you feel like you need to do that. When you're bowing, um, I guess I was thinking of a more, uh, I guess I would say a broad sort of outcome. What? Uh, let me ask it this way. Is process intention bowing? So you're looking at the process of training the mind, working with the forums, chanting the sutras, listening to the teacher, discussing with the community, looking at a, a Dharma text like the Lanka or the, the, the Heart Sutra, whatever we're, we are working with, the 30 verses of Vasubandhu, and discussing that with Sangha as a process of working with that. That's the intention to understand what this is. Uh, even though we, we uh, something like the 30 verses is so extremely wrapped up in concepts and, and the structure of thinking process and so on. And, um, but it, it's something you need to do in order to realize. But the realization is not an event. It's not even an experience, an experience other than you can say that it might be experience, experiential to realize that you don't want anything, you don't need anything. You're not particularly concerned about anything other than if you received a vow to be with all things, then you'll find yourself doing that. That seems to stick somehow. I don't know how that works. I don't know what the logistics and the mechanics of that is, but if you receive this vow, your personal life is over with, maybe not right away, because there is no person. It's not that it's over with. It's going to go on the same way. It's just that it will be about others putting others before yourself more. Other questions? Question from Robert Switek. Robert. What is the status of ultimate truth? So we have words, ultimate, and we have another word, truth, then we have the word status. But if I'm, if I'm to answer it the way, the way I see it, it has no status. There is no, it doesn't, it doesn't even exist. It has no existence. It's just like, to get close to that, I would say, and this is something I often do, I would say, I'm going to say, there's a, a green cucumber, about four inches long, very small, pickle style, and has a pink ribbon on it, tied in a bow, of course. Everyone sees that in their imagination, and Robert, you see it in your imagination. That's That's in... It's not the intermediate state, but it's close to an area of consciousness that it ha that has no past, no future. Uh, Fifty years from now, if you're still alive, you can you can locate that. What what you and I we just created that together. I made the suggestion, 
you visualize it. It's so extremely simple, but it's overlooked because we're grasping a thing. We're rejecting a thing. We're closing down, opening up. Whereas that creation is, is just a dream. It's an intentional dream. And it, it happens in that area of consciousness that when the body-mind collapses and goes back into the elements, that area is not going away because it has not appeared. That, that, that cucumber with a pink ribbon around it is both real and unreal at the same time. It's there, but it's not there. We all can see our version of it. I might ask you, is that laying on a table? And some people might say, no, it's just kind of in space. Another person said, yeah, I was laying on my kitchen table at home. Or and it was in my hand. So as soon as you're told something or suggested something, then the, the consciousness will come and, and find whatever form it needs to support that, which might be a brown mahogany table underneath that. And it might be sitting in a saucer. Not things I suggested, but things that your mind just puts in there because of what? Untraceable causes and conditions. Traceless. Looks like they have a source. Perhaps not. So there's no real status, if I were to say it as in a way that I think is probably the most helpful way to understand it. I would say there's no, no status to the ultimate. Even the word ultimate is extra. It's in front of what it's pointing at. It's like the arrow is pointing at something. But you can't see what it is because you're all hung up in the pointer, analyzing the pointer and having arguments with people about how long the pointer is and is it actually aimed down or up and why is it pink? Why isn't it orange or blue? Constant chatter around the edges of the, of the teaching. This happens all over the place in not just Buddhism, but any place, philosophy, psychology, physics, disagreements about stuff. You, you brought up something that reminded me of um, when you talk about ordinary mind. Um, no. Why does it look so extraordinary to us looking on to someone who's just ordinary? Going. I'm not following you. Sort of going. Um, like there's a golden Buddha on the altar here, but it seems like he's representing something that's really ordinary. So what what's the... What do you want to know? Might not be able to help you, but I, I still don't know what your question is. Must be difficult to be in your mind. <clears throat> is it? I don't know. What do you want to know? Just... Um, I don't want to badger you too much, but what do you want to know about that? I heard the question. I'll think about it. Okay. <clears throat> Further? Jishin. Is there any intention behind the dream we all live? Is there any intention behind the dream we all live? Yeah, the intention is usually to get somewhere, to protect ourselves, to be safe, to be healthy. All of those intentions are there. Get something to eat, all the relative things. But if we begin to see that it, this is a dream, some of that can, can change. We can start to emphasize different parts 
of our life instead of the, the mundane parts, possibly. Seems to be different with each person, so very situational. Thank you, Jishin Bowing. Um, is there an intention behind that big dream, big matrix dream, if I can call it this way, we are all participating in? Um, I, I think I follow you, but you know, we can, we can speculate on that. Uh, but I don't know how, I think the most important thing to do is sit down in front of the wall and watch the things that your own mind keeps inventing about this and about that, judgments, evaluations, conclusions, going around and around. I'm not saying your question isn't valid, but um, I, I really can't give you a good response that will help you get where I think you need to get, and that's to the wall, not speculating on things. That being said, let's speculate some more. Any more questions? Thank you. Another question from Robert. So when we stop, when we stop looking at the cucumber, does it become truth only? I don't know. It's a, you're, you're way beyond me there, Robert. I, I can't, I'm not, don't have the erudition that you have. So I have no idea. I could speculate on it, but we're, we just get lost in a, in what philosophers often get lost in or any speculation about the nature of consciousness that works with a lot of concepts. It just turns into circles. And the best thing to do is to see what it is directly. And then you won't know what it is. Actually, you're in the process, if you're on this path, in the process of transcending knowledge so that you become free from what you know, not a prisoner of your opinions, ideas, judgments, and your knowledge. I see you. Yes. Passion, aggression, and ignorance, is that always applying to something imaginary? Are we always grasping at ideas? Seems to be. That's, that's the part that makes it difficult. And there's, there's some passion of just really wanting uh, some of uh, Paushan's. What was that cake you made? The Danish? Yeah. Like that's, that's not imaginary. That's a real Danish that he made, and I ate some of it. And, that's, and there was a passion to get some of that Danish before somebody took it out of my hands and saying, remember, you're diabetic. Well, I did remember I was diabetic, but I also wanted the Danish. It was sugar-free, so good. Oh, boy, it was sugar-free. <laughs> Very good. So I'm not sure if that's maybe, a, a, I, may, my, I may be digressing from what it is you're asking about, but it seems like it tends to get in the mind eventually, and then it becomes even more problematic because we, we're starting to believe our thoughts about everything. Whereas uh, you don't have to believe a Danish to eat it. You just, just eat the Danish. There's no big philosophy or psychology going on there. But if it's something else that somebody has said or done that triggers something in your consciousness that you're sitting on for the last 28 days, three years, three, 30 years, and it triggers that and causes that, un that area that is shut off in your consciousness, it's called ignorance. Most of the people, most people in the world, anytime anything difficult happens, rather than actually 
feel that, taste that, touch that, live that, live, they will, they will close it off. So one of several different ways. One is to, the simplest way, if they can manage it, is just to ignore it. Just don't, I'm not going to think about it. You might even lecture yourself. I'm not thinking about that anymore. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to think about it. I can't do anything about it. So I'm not thinking and, I, and distract yourself into volleyball or doing something, just do something else. Or the other way to distract yourself from what that is, to blame someone. You actually abandon the experience of what that is happening by finding somebody that caused it and being upset with them and mad at them. And there might be a lot of passion around that also, that a big story that they shouldn't have done that. Why did they do that? They know how difficult a time I've had. Why are they treating me this way? Just on and on and on, making other people, other events responsible for the emotions that arise in your mind stream. It's your mind, not your yours as an ego, but yours as a matrix of consciousness with uh, sense fields and sense of touch, sense of taste, sense of hearing, sense of thinking. does not add up to a self. The five skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, do not come together and say, me. They do, but it, you can, if you look at it, if you're aware of it, you can see that the body is not a self, the feelings, that's not a self. Thought process does not add up to a self. The sense feels there might be seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, but the consciousness is not a singularity of somebody going somewhere, having some abilities or lack of abilities. More? With the example of a Danish or, or an intense emotion that has like a physical sensation with it, do we have to abstract, do we kind of abstract or leave that situation in order to reject it or grasp at it? We might, there might be some kind of shutting down on it, sure. If that's what you're asking. Shutting it out, forgetting it, ignoring it for a while, then it creeps back up. Then we have to do change our relationship to it somehow. Find somebody who's causing it. Blame them. That's one way. When you're bowing, part of the um, ninth precept of no being angry is bowing to the richness of how things really are. Yes. Rather than how we want them to be. Yes. Is that awakening? Bowing? No, that's the path. If 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 you if you're on the path, then you may have to bow to the richness of the way things really are. However, showing up, no, even if you're angry and upset about something, you could actually make that part of your practice. You might might not have to do it out in public, but you might bow. You might acknowledge how rich everything is, including your anger. That whatever is showing up is dependently arisen. There's no person who's angry anywhere. There is no person. But you may need to find that out rather than be convinced of it or something like that. You may, may need to actually see it yourself. There's no solid being. There are emotions, there are feelings, but they don't have an owner. Consciousness is not owned by anyone, anything, any identity, more. When you're bowing, so until that realization is manifest, let's say, and we get are still tangled up in the stories, that seem to arise because someone someone seems to trigger something. Is it helpful then to 
bring up the five skandhas or that there's no self in the skandhas? Is that kind of... In your own mind stream? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Recite the... Go, go to some aspect of the scriptures, a Buddhist uh, teaching that's, that seems to be... You resonate with that. It seems to help you. There's 59 slogans and it teaches, uh, and, and, uh, teaches seven points of mind training. 59 different slogans. Some of them... I'm, are, I'm not saying they're worthless, but they're they're just they're manipulating your mind. Whereas other other slogans uh, seem to be, from my perspective, seem to be pretty helpful. But I think that's why it's why it's set up that way. So there's something in there that anyone can relate to. Sometimes people need some kind of manipulation to go to deal with what they're dealing with. But the whole right or wrong is beside the point. It's what's fundamentally going to help you or anyone else. Some people may need to do uh, sending and receiving or Tonglen practice. I don't teach that, but I would teach it if somebody came and I, we talked for a while and I thought that might be the very best thing for them to do is Tonglen. I would teach them how to do that. I just don't te teach it as a blanket situation because it opens up the consciousness, which is already uh, very, very spacious and full of all kinds of, shall we say, foreign elements. So I don't, I think opening yourself up to that. Oh, it can be make things worse. And you can also come back and say, "Well, isn't that dependent origination?" Well, yeah, it is. But you know, we don't have to necessarily go to a mountaintop or go to a charnel ground. In ancient times, they would go to a charnel ground, a place where death and ghosts and spirits, all that was happening. Meditate there. Let's go to the very worst place. Let's go to hell and meditate there. One of the four vows says say says Dharma gates are endless. What is a Dharma gate after seeing what this is? There may be some Dharma gates, there may not. But uh, there, a, a Dharma gate is uh, conventionally is talked about as being some aspect of your own consciousness that is blocking you from seeing the truth. And it could be anything from anger irritation with a certain person, uh, uh, jealousy, um, depression, uh, anxiety, something that where you're not able to just function very well in your daily um, work situation or social situation is something is not working. Maybe uh, you could call that a Dharma gate. In other words, instead of medicating it or covering it up, like what quite often the doctors or psychologists or somebody may want to do that, not all of them, but may want to do something to stop that from happening or get you to get over it. Uh, you can actually look at it as a Dharma gate, as something you personally need to look at so that you can understand deeply what that is. Dharma gate, more. When it, when it says Dharma gates are endless, They keep coming and going and coming until you, you can say until, until you realize who you are, until you realize your true nature, then these Dharma gates will probably continue to show up as something you're gonna, you are going to need to work with. But if you realize what this is, then your, your whole life is about serving others, helping others who are dealing with their Dharma gates, or at least not meddling with them. You said until. I did say until. 
can Dharma gates be, be seen through in this life? Sure. Yeah, you can see that, that what you thought was a problem is actually not a problem. It's only a problem if you attach to it, or if you think it has to be gotten rid of, or you think you have to know why it's happening, or if you think it shouldn't belong there. Any position, I take any position, any position at all around anything that's arising uh, creates uh, different forms of warfare. You know, I guess, in some sense, do they do they end or do they start arising differently? Let's put it, I think I see what you're asking about, what I'm saying. Let's say it this way, this might be the best approach. You won't care what they do. You, you, you see it as an illusion, the whole damn thing is an illusion. This room, this altar, this computer screen, all the people on Zoom are relatively real, but ultimately, you begin to see it with your Dharma eye, which is talked about the Shobogenzo treasury of the true Dharma eye. You begin to see it as it is. So there's no personhood anymore that cares. This doesn't mean that you won't see somebody who is in suffer who is suffering or having difficulty. You would wrap your arms around them and, and even cry with them over something that had happened to them. And why are you available to do that? Because you ha you have no you have no um, there's no personhood happening there that has a preference for anything. So when you see someone who is wrapped up in intense suffering over a preference of something they wanted and they lost, and you see how much they're suffering, you you've had enough suffering. You know how painful it is to suffer. There isn't a person in here that hasn't had extreme suffering of some kind, losing someone you love. Losing something, someone you thought well, you were in a relationship with, and all of a sudden they want to go in another direction. That is not comfortable. There's no amount of philosophy is going to help you with that. No amount of Buddhist teachings or ideas or quotes of Dogen are going to help you deal with that. Maybe a little bit, not much. You have to see that. You have to see your own attachment to it and see that the attachment is contingent upon something you're attached to, objects, and someone who's attached, subjects, and see that subject-object is unreal. So that's what the path is talking about. More? What adheres subject and object? What? What, what adheres subject and object? What keeps them together? Uh, yeah. Passion, aggression, ignorance, hope and fear, and the singularity of believing that you are somebody, a subject, who can win or lose, or has been mistreated. You know, we've talked about it before. It's not that that emotion or that feeling isn't real and doesn't hurt. This is why the Buddha said 2,500 years ago, life is suffering. As I've said this, it's probably endless times. He didn't say part-time. It's suffering, it's suffering. Nerve endings are everywhere. There's going to be some kind of difficulty pain of pain, the pain of alternation, or the pain of the composite, or the pain of conditioned existence. It's not nihilism, it's just, it's just true. That doesn't mean you can't have some cheesecake, or attend a party, or attend a concert, or enjoy yourself. Of course, there's going to be that also. Might be quite a bit of that. 
if you're, if you're not operating out of hope and fear all the time and struggling with your life, you might be able to have some enjoyment at the in your nerve endings. More? Well, what happens after a, attachment? When a, when attachment um, when we're not attached to preferences, beliefs, judgments, and ideas, what what's left? Your life. That's one of the. You could say it's one of the side effects of the whole thing. No longer any struggle with anything, then you could say you're you're still not flucked, uh, moving around all the time, and you're relatively at peace. No demand, no disappointment in anything because you can't really lose what is fundamentally valuable. That doesn't mean that if somebody you're really close to couldn't disappear or it might be incredibly painful for you, or for me, of course. Is terror, like when you say what's left is your life, it's, it's kind of terrorizing, and um, it, is terror further attachment? Is that a thing? Like you mean fear of something? Being terrorized by something? Uh, there seems like a difference, but I... What do you want to know? Let's um, do it that way. Is the terror or fear of living your life as it is, is that is that further layer of attachment? Is that... An attachment to a self who can be, who can be uh, hurt, who's in danger, who's vulnerable. We have to cover it up, make sure we don't do something that will um, jeopardize our relative safety. There's room for more questions in that area. I don't know how well I can respond and do the best I can. Further? Anyone? Just to pick up on what Bune just said, so the fear of living life as it is, is that the big disappointment? I think the big disappointment is, is that, you're, that you're not going to get what you thought you were going to get. You, you're not going to get that situation. It was not going to manifest, not going to manifest. It's disappointing. But it's not it's not like an emotional tragedy or something like that. It's just it just it's just disappointing. Lots of room for questions there. When you're bowing, it just seems like there's some kind of standard then that we're measuring up to. Probably if is. it's disappointing then we have an idea So actually it's not disappointing, but that's a way of talking about it so that you can we can, or you can actually encourage someone to work with the disappointment that comes up in our daily practice, in our life, because it can be, it can be disappointing to go along and not make the progress we thought we would be making in the way we thought we would be making it. Instead of becoming more relaxed, more peaceful, more carefree, more whatever, instead we, we feel more agitation, perhaps. Feel more difficulty. I have said before, it may get a lot worse before it gets better. That's been my experience over the last number of years. Question from Adriana. What is the pain of conditioned existence? So let me do all three of them, and there's other ways of talking about this, but the pain of pain is obvious, toothache, broken leg. 
uh, all kinds of painful things, lots of other ones besides those. Just the pain of pain, pain of losing somebody. Um, the pain of alternation means that everything is going fine, but you're so worried and paranoid about change that you know that everything you have can go away any minute. So you're right in the middle of having everything, having success, having a good job, having a, a, a supportive partner, a mate, having wonderful children. You're still suffering because you know that those are not protected. There's no guarantee those will be here tomorrow. So you start suffering right in the middle of your of your luxuriousness, you start to suffer. So that's the pain of alternation. That can go away. And then the third kind is the pain of the composite, or the pain of conditioned existence, which several ways of talking about that, and the way that I'm going to say this now is when you see that you're not really separate from anything else, then everything, you see all the pain in the world. Not You, you might be somewhat free of your own comings and goings as far as pain, but you see the pain in everyone. You see the, the extreme suffering all over. You can't really hide out from that anymore. And also just the very nature of being a living being. We're coming back to that first noble truth. Life is suffering. Not, not uh, the suffering that you uh, can get rid of necessarily. Who knew? Have a question. So when you say uh, it could get better, it could get worse. With awakening, does it get worse? Not with awakening. Awakening is not an event in the, in the conventional sense that you mark a place in time. There are people who talk about it uh, differently than I'm talking about it. I didn't have an event. And I don't come, I don't claim awakening, but I'm, I'm teaching what I'm looking at. And what I'm looking, looking at is, uh, uh, has no, has no marks, has no, no, no particular qualities to it. Might have, uh, offshoots of that to some extent that I'm not going to fight with anybody anymore, but there's no, there's no status happening there of, or some kind of a proof that something has occurred. I used to be this way, but now I'm, now I'm awake. Now I see the nature of reality. Another question from Adriana. Yeah, How can we work with feeling disappointed? Be disappointed. Just don't. Argue whatever's showing up, that's what it is, rather than alternating to something else or some kind of way of working with it. Or it's like, you're not going to hear me say, just accept it. I might say the opposite, don't accept anything. Look at it. Whatever shows up has a, has a right to be there. It's dependently arisen. Everything is. So, just disappointment. If you don't do anything with it, it can't last because it gets its, uh, um, trajectory or longevity or its duration from being fiddled with, pushed down or or covered up or or, or blame, blaming somebody or something for why that's happening. It, it's just a way of kind of keeping it included and putting you to sleep. Now you're putting yourself to sleep with my help. 
So the what I would say, Adriana, is just just receive it best you can. And even that, you can be a failure at that. That's okay. It's the intention to receive, not the success story. All you have to do is intend. You don't have to succeed at anything. If you don't understand, ask questions. Or, or don't ask questions. Go ahead and come up with your own ideas about it. If you wish. No bowing. What is the fear of who we are? So as long as we're somebody, then we can somehow protect ourselves. As long as we have an idea of who we are, we have a description, we have what our culture tells us, everybody's in agreement that we're all somebody going somewhere. And so the fear is, is uh, we have a, a sneaking suspicion that, that we might not be anybody at all. So we use our body, our feelings, uh, the five skandhas to come together and convince us that we are some, somebody going somewhere. What part of that turns us away from the truth? Fixation on ideas, fixation on the fear, um, feeling a thinking or that we know why we're feeling that way and what we have to do, what we can do, what we can't do. More. What do we turn to? What do you mean? Turn to ideas about it. Opinions, ideas, have conversations with people. Talk about our ego with others. Talk about our ego with ourselves. Journaling about how we feel and what we're doing. You know, Reestablishing our identity over. It's not that journaling isn't a valuable thing for people to do. Writing down your dreams is valuable in terms of awareness. But the best use of your time, as far as I understand it, this is just how it looks to me. You don't have to believe anything I say, but sit down, hold still, spend some time with your mind, look at the wall, watch what happens in the mind without accepting, rejecting, shutting down, passion, aggression, and ignorance. Wean yourself away from the tendency to react to whatever happens in the mind by pushing it. React by, or by explaining it or react by distracting yourself, moving into something else, daydreaming about something else. When, when we um, distract ourselves, how does that reify our personality? It's a reference point. Someone who has realized what this is doesn't, doesn't uh, there might be reference points, but they don't do anything with them. I, I can say it very bluntly. They don't care if they, they're not, they're not concerned with death. Even though it's this, in this situation, this body mind is going back into the elements. There's no way around it. Everyone here, this one probably sooner than anyone else's because I'm so old, but not necessarily. But you're not concerned because you know who you are, who you actually are. Your identity is actually from looking and 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 then looking some more and then looking some more, looking some more. It wasn't an event, but suddenly there was there wasn't anybody there. And you realize that you're looking at what you thought was a self, and it is empty of a self. There is there is no one there. Consciousness, this voice that's happening, your voice is happening. There's no one here behind this one. 
If I go, who's speaking? I don't see anybody, and I don't mind. But if you, you know, I can show you where ego's, ego's at. All I have to do is insult you. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. And I can also show you where your ego's at by complimenting you. I can do that with anyone here. And you could do that with me. You could insult me. You're the worst Dharma teacher I've ever heard of. You're not, you don't have a kind word for anybody. And you're, you're negative all the time. All you talk about is suffering. I'm going to go study with somebody else. That will not hurt my feelings. No, I might even think probably that's a good idea for you. If I don't make sense, if I don't, if it doesn't resonate with you, then you're not ready for this. Not because I'm such a fancy teacher. It's just that I'm teaching out of what I'm looking at. I don't have any credentials. I have no proof. But insulting you or complimenting you, that area of consciousness that doesn't really realize it's, it's artificial, uh, starts to get affected just by somebody's words. And I can even be doing it and say, and you know I'm joking, or you know I'm just inventing something. I can show you if you want. Anybody want to volunteer? You want to volunteer? You want. Huh? If you need one. You're too anxious. <laughs> no, you're too, you're too prepared for that. Yeah. Eric, I'm not going to cross swords with you. You might insult me. Then what do I do? I'm not going to do that. I'm just saying that I could reflect on it. If somebody attacks you, whether they mean it or whether they're joking, but still, you can feel it. How do I know? I can feel it. That has not gone away. What's different? I'll say it as clearly as I can. Please, please dwell on this and think about it. The emotion that arises in your mind stream is just as intense without a self as it is with a self. But if you have that emotion uh, arise in your mind stream without a self, then you can see the extent of dependent origination, because you see that everything is dependent dependently arisen. Whereas if it rises with a self, then the, the subjectivity is so intense that it can't cannot see the, the objectivity as uh, not being separate from the subjectivity. Chisho, cheer up. <laughs> Chisho is going like this. Okay, let's call it a, an evening. You have a question? Uh, One more. One more. Go ahead. I was wondering about seeing the objectivity in the subjectivity. Yes. How do we do that? Just, uh, you, you would need to see that your identity, who you think you are, is uh, unreal. Doesn't have, you don't have to get rid of it. Just see that, the, that it's makeshift. It's just made up, and it is propelled by hope and fear. And so, therefore, if I come at you and insult you, you, you would even know that I don't mean that. But it's still, it, it, because there are areas in the consciousness that have not been seen, because we're able to hide out from them. Pretend they don't bother us. Oh, I used to be bothered by that. I just don't care what people think anymore. Ever heard anybody say that? You know, I used to be really concerned about what people thought. Not anymore. I'm my own dude. I'm my own my own person. 
Nope. You, you see it a little bit? This is what we do when we look at the wall. We eventually get to know ourselves pretty well, pretty deeply, if you spend. But it seems to take, as much as I hesitate to say it, it seems to take hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of sitting meditation. To, to even make, it certainly has for me. It's taken many, many years. And relationship with two teachers and a couple of several crazy sanghas where the people were difficult. You have to make everybody into a teacher. If you don't, you'll just run away from that sangha. We happen to have a fairly good sangha here so far. Don't we? Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else? Okay, very good. Thank you so much. Thank you for your uh, for your attention and for participating in this uh, Dharma talk. And also thank you for all of your support and help in so many different ways. Hi, my name is Kozan, and I'm a monk at Sokokoji, where I practice with the guidance of my teacher, Sokozan. We rely on your donations to support our programming of practice, study, and teachings, and to fund scholarships that help our full-time practice residents with tuition and living expenses. Thank you for helping our Sangha.